You're tuned in to the biggest balls of them all. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast. We got sports and comedy for that ass. You about to go downtown, bitch, on the only podcast that sports platinum and brunette chicks. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast, you dig? Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the Playing with Balls podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Lee, here playing with balls today back in Santa, Santa Monica, Santa California, <laughs> Santa Monica, California. I was uh, traveling all last week. Uh, for those of you that listened to the last episode of Philly Bro Talk, you know, because I was uh, recording that actually from the East Coast, which was really cool because instead of having my brother Tyler call in and talk Philly sports, we got to do it in person because I stayed with him uh, at his cute little new house. So we recorded an episode and it was fun because there's a lot going on with sports right now. Uh, training camps, we're analyzing players, so we are getting ready for football to start, so it made for a pretty fun episode, and uh, if you haven't uh, listened to it yet, check it out, episode number 37 of Philly Bro Talk, and so I'm a little bit delayed in uh, getting uh, to this week's episode, I'm about a week and a half, just a couple days more than normal, because I was traveling, I was also there um, to throw a baby shower for my sister, which was you know, a baby shower. Those things are obligatory. They're never super fun. But in case Megan's listening, it was really fun, like watching you open presents for like two hours. And then other than that, I was also doing some comedy shows around the Philadelphia area and some venues I haven't done before. So that was really neat. I was featuring for comedian Eleanor Kerrigan, who's a South Philly favorite. She grew up in South Philly um, with like 11 siblings because that's you know a south philly irish catholic family and the one the one of the two shows that i got to perform in i met joe conklin because it was conklin's comedy night on wednesday nights at the parks casino in ben salem pa and that was really cool because outside of just being a huge fan of his comedy wise you know he's such a huge guy uh for sports talk and sports comedy on wip uh 94.4 wip i think it's 94.1 wip or 94.4 wip it's been a while um, back on the local station in Philadelphia. So I got to talk to him a little bit about the Playing With Balls podcast, about Philly Bro Talk, and a potential for maybe having Conklin drop by in the future when I'm back in town and I'm doing his show again October 11th, I think it is. So I'm hoping that we can get some more Philly people on the Philly Bro Talk segment. So that's what I've been working on, at least as far as that goes. Also, since I've been back, uh, you might remember if you listened to episode 36, the one before my last one with my brother, that was a a really fun interview with the comedian Jonesy, uh, New York transplant. We talked a lot about sports, different things. And one thing we talked about was how cool it would be if he and I set up a fantasy league for L.A. comedians, which we actually since then have done. So I am co-commissioner with Jonesy. We already have our team draft. We've got 12 comedians. Um, Some of them you'll know from being on the podcast before, like Joe Prano from Dirty Sports, Andy Lazarus, who drops into Dirty Sports a lot. And then others are new faces. So it should be really fun. I just set up the draft, which is a real pain in my ass trying to get everybody coordinated but we got that set up for a couple weeks from now and it should be really fun the coolest thing about this league is we came up with something really cool for the loser and I was watching this cool thing on ESPN about some like crazy fantasy teams all around the country and what they make the loser do I mean it's insane like one of them has to do like this calendar where he dresses up as a woman and he has, I don't even it was like a 12-month calendar shoot uh, another one they have, they throw tomatoes at him and like all this crazy stuff so I thought 
and I got with Jonesy on this. What if we leveraged our strength is comedians and joke writers and we did a roast? So we have agreed that the 12th place loser is going to be roasted by each one of us um, at the end of the season at Andy Lazarus's house. We will be doing live coverage on this. So it's sort of like the roast battles. For those of you that are familiar, I talk about them sometimes because I've done a couple comedy store roast battles. And we get to deliver the meanest, most terribly amazing jokes uh, and to this person who must stand there in shame because they lost the fantasy league and we are going to have an audience and we're going to make it like a whole roast battle. So this person is going to be humiliated and it's going to be better than anything else that I can think of because for the most part since we started this league late most people you know are already in leagues and stuff like that so I think one of the biggest things with this league was making sure that there's some stakes. There's some pretty high stakes here. So if you're the type of comedian and per person and in general in a league where you're like, ah, I get pretty fucked up on Saturday nights and fuck it, I'm going to bed. I'm not setting my lineup for Sunday. Probably not going to be up if it's specific time. Uh, by 10 a.m. for the first game. But fuck it, this is my third league. Well, then you're a dickhole, first of all, second you're in some shit because you're going to get roasted. So this is a little bit more of a motivating factor. As soon as I communicated that out, everybody paid me in like a day. That never happened. So got a couple things squared away. So we'll definitely be uh, having some check-ins on the Fantasy League since all of them are sports-related comedians. And so that'll be fun. So I'm glad I, I have this league. I've never commissioned before, been a commissioner, but I think it's pretty easy. I don't know. I mean, at, outside of like getting the draft done, which we already figured out the hardest part, which is the date and time that everybody can make it, what, what else do I have to do? Like approve trades? I think my job is over. I've got all the money. So that should be awesome. And then, of course, the winners win money. So Updates on that, and we'll do some sort of playing with balls segment, you know, as we get into it. Uh, and especially, we will be doing the roast on playing with balls at the end of the season. So that's going to be super fun. So that's something to look forward to. Outside of that, I'm excited because today I have uh, guests joining me that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while, Alex Monaco. And Alex is a comedian who is also a super successful sports host of his own sports podcast, Extraordinary Sports. And he had me on the podcast back in, oh, geez, I, when was that? May? And so I think I might have published that on Instagram and all that sort of thing. We have some similarities between our podcasts. We interview comedians that are tied to sports, athletes. So this is sort of uh, similar in a way to like a Joe Prano or an Andy Ruther type of a person because he's already hosting a successful sports podcast. But he's also... Uh, comedian and actor and he's just a real nice guy and this will be neat because he's normally in the host seat so it'll be fun to actually have him in the guest seat and hear some of his perspectives on hey why is the you know why is sports an important part of his life he's from san diego so i'm really excited to hear how the fuck that works now that we've got the la chargers here um are you you know i, I couldn't even imagine that as a philadelphia fan if my team just up and left and just went somewhere especially went somewhere like it's only two hours away i mean it's one thing that like you know the rams picked up out of st louis and flew to la but this is like a team that is literally like i could drive there right now to their sad old 
place uh, where they used to have the San Diego Chargers. And I got to think that's a weird dynamic, too. So I I know he loves sports. I know that Alex loves, um, you know, football in particular. So it'll be really interesting to hear his take on how that actually works. And how do you cope with that? Maybe it's coping mechanisms for anybody that uh, had their team lost to L.A. Or if you're getting ready to get your have your team lost to Las Vegas, maybe Alex has will have some good advice for you. So I am going to bring him up here right now. So we've got Alex Monaco here. Welcome, Alex. Oh, my goodness. Shannon, what a lovely home. Thank you. The feng shui, as I said before, (laughs) it's just great energy. You walk into a room getting a little older. Now I got a lot more respect for, you know, just a a well put together household. You're adulting. Just (laughs) I'm I'm still in that that kiddle. Yeah. Like phase. But yes, I I eventually have to grow up. You're having more. Yeah. More respect for like maybe decorating or just appreciating decorating or something like Without that. Without question. Well, I live with a girl now. Oh, you, so. oh, that's right. Because I've been in your apartment. Yes. Yeah. yeah you same were the girl. Fir- actually, you're the first girl to ever walk through. Oh my God. Friend or, uh, or non-friend. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I was in the friend category, though. No, so, yeah. I mean, course, I still am, yeah. obviously. So yeah. So that I actually feel really honored that I was the first girl in your apartment with straight up another girl that you live with she was really nice she's yeah, really nice she's too. Awesome. she's a comedian correct? She is. she's from south carolina but i just i appreciate you know having coasters now <laughs> and mm-hmm. just actual silverware it's all uh it's all come up for me so have you ever lived with a girl before this experience i lived with a girl briefly in college but i shared a room with a buddy across the way and then i was so i wanted the window open night one he wanted it closed i'm like all right i'm just gonna go live in my other friend's garage that <laughs> 70s show i was dating a girl so i was at her house four nights a week anyways so that was my costco sample of living with a girl but yeah every time i went to the common room it was uh, it was a stop and chat well you know <laughs> that's pretty funny actually i i never would think I, it's always like really interesting to hear what it's like to live with a woman from a guy's perspective and in this particular case you're, you're not dating you're just roommates no, right yeah just friends yeah so even that's even more interesting because i i used to live with a guy for like f- like i don't know how long seven years or something like that nice. and he was well he ended up being we ended up getting married like we were dating and so i always like and we're not married anymore just fyi there's yeah. no like husband popping out um <laughs> i think i told you that that i'm yeah. divorced but i um but when we lived together, like it was such a hard adjustment for me as a female because then I had to deal with all like the guy stuff, you right. know, like socks in the living room <laughs> and like a cup from last week. Like that, who, that it's like who cares about it, you know? <laughs> for some reason, there's a, pr- a real big problem. I don't know if this is like, and you can answer this like an all male problem. Do you don't like to load the dishwasher? Is that um, like a, is that a common theme amongst men? It is, and also really just picking up after yourself. <laughs> it's it's unheard. Oh yeah. Of. Oh okay. So there was this, thi- and I do a bit about it too. I don't. I I used to. I I might again in the future, but I need to build it out more. But about like the hamper, because I feel like so many men and women like can identify with this fucking hamper problem, <laughs> where it's like here's a hamper where dirty clothes go, and say you get home from like playing basketball or like going to the gym, and you're like clothes are super sweaty and you're about to get in the shower you see the hamper so you know to put the clothes in the general vicinity but for some reason they don't go in there they just go right in front on the floor i i can i can relate what is the science behind that that I mean, I would like to take an all-male defense and say, you know what? We don't want that kind of fresh 
schwitzing going right into the hamper. <laughs> Let's let it air dry for a little and then we'll throw it in. But we know 75% of men aren't thinking that courteously. No, no. It, I mean, that like would be that would, that's kind of a good response, though, if you were in a fight or something. Like, I might uh, believe that because that's the way I would think, I think, is like a woman. Like, oh, that's logical. It I, is logical I, but, to some degree. But I like that you just called out that that's what you might say, but it's still not true. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, I guess, having played like pickup basketball and then hopped right in the shower after, I think guys just want to just declothe as fast as possible and hop in to get the sweat off. But if you're living with a female counterpart, that's yeah, it's unacceptable. That no, you know that's that's a very good point. Um, I because I always thought about like the the number one thing that's gonna break me up, break us up, is just the differences between like men and women being able to live together. But then I thought later, like, well, we did break up. So does that just mean that like? like men and women just can't live together but like i know that they do in mass quantities so yeah it's a good question though because it's an adjustment but on your end you get to get the finer not that living with a woman is all like you know roses and like rainbows but you get some of the cool things like coasters and oh, probably tremendous. an organized cupboard maybe a clean organized. bathroom I, I have a spice rack that's nice Th not even remote i was going with one batch of garlic salt for three years and now i have you know eight options that's awesome yeah so it's i mean i do have pictures of girls i don't know on my fridge uh, and thank you cards i have nothing to do with but you know it's a give and take save the dates stuff like I'll that save the date, stuff that you know but uh, yeah in terms of feeling warm and all that it's, it's really nice to to come home to that that's cool yeah uh, and just so you know um i uh, and i'll show you before you leave i have um, an amazing spice rack because i think spice <laughs> racks are are important to women it actually spins in a circle and it's got everything you could ever think of it has things i've never even used before tremendous wow yeah yeah that's tremendous because we need to have those things even though we might never use them because <laughs> you just never know you should see what's the, what fucking shit is in my my kitchen. I've got a china closet. I have china. I've got crystal candlesticks. I don't use them. So the china is for special occasions, but yeah, it's... but I don't really like have like high noon tea or anything. Yeah, no, I did I host you. Thanksgiving once and and I used it then, but I didn't have enough plates because it's only like a set of eight or something. But we right. still have that shit. Like, it's different. I was married, so I have some of that stuff that you like get to register for. Right. Like I have like the pretty like KitchenAid mixer and all the stuff and i don't really cook so for me i'm like I'm, I'm happy that it's there but i don't really need it but i feel like men are different like because my ex-husband took nothing probably because he knew he would only need like one thing of garlic salt and that's it and <laughs> like mean, a couple forks exactly actually yeah. he took my silverware he did do that so that's what the yeah i'm i still habitually grab paper plates yeah at my house because i'm like well it makes sense but it's not good for the environment i, I i've been told so well, i really shouldn't uh well, I mean, if you're never going to load the dishwasher, it's good for your roommate. So let's <laughs> let's just say that, okay? But I was there because I was uh, a guest on your podcast because you and I have uh, sports podcasts, Extraordinary yes. Sports Podcast. Yes. And actually, um, I'll just tell you this. I stole your idea. Or not your idea. I didn't steal anything. I copied you. And that's a compliment because I love actually how you market um, and p your posts on Instagram. Oh, and for you. anybody listening, follow Extraordinary Sports. Is that thank what you. the handle yeah, is? No E, no E. No E, no E. <laughs> um, because what I like how you take like sound bites from the interview that are like cool and meaningful and like buzzwords and then make like a little picture slideshow. Thank you. And yeah, and I, I done it with one guest that I had, which it got like a lot of likes. And, and I, I noticed that that 
episode in particular got like a lot of downloads. Yeah. And I, I found that um, I now do this segment called Philly Bro Talk in addition to like guest interviews. Awesome. So with my, my little brother, Tyler, and he's in uh, Philadelphia area. So he's always calling in. And so that's the only we can't take like pictures together. So I started doing what you do there just you to like gives people an idea of like wh- also because it's a new segment. So like, right. what are you guys talking about? You know, it's fantastic. so yeah. So I learned stuff from you. You taught me some stuff about equipment because I don't know. I'm not as technical. As this is uh, this is a step up from my sitch, though. I got my own mic over here. I'm feeling all kinds of empowered. Well, you know what? I even have a third mic somewhere just in case I had two people or like three people on. There you go. Yeah, because I did the Home Run Derby. I do a Home Run Derby event every yeah, year. Yeah, how was that this year? It was I mean, awesome. It was really cool. We podcasted it, which was interesting. Oh. It was interesting because I'm like, why not do it? Because we have, you know, how many? Eight people. Um representing a, a player and it's a head-to-head competition and all eight really funny comedians that have mostly all been on the podcast before and you know probably most of them yeah and and then we did this event at andy lazarus's house who's been on the podcast several times and um we got a lot of live footage of it we did like live stories we had sponsors we had winners we donated to charity and then i'm like fuck it why not use that as a podcast episode Heck yeah but it, it was a lot of like chaos it was really hard to manage as for me like it i would say it wasn't fun well, so I know drinking's involved, correct? So, yeah, drinking is always mean, involved. Uh, who, who would have expected Aaron Judge and the the, Mar- the Marlin Slugger? I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, not Stan, the other one, the first baseman. But they, they had what? They had 24 and 23 oh, oh. out of the gate. They, whoever was representing them must have been all kinds of hops. Yes, who was it? <laughs> who was it? Who is uh, Gar went against uh, uh, fuck, um, Andy in the end. And Andy was representing... Uh, not Moustakis, but the Dominican. Is that the guy we're thinking of? I know he's Dominican. No, not not Stanton. Not no, the, no, not. And there's a, there's another Dominican. Yeah, um, potentially the guy on the Twins. Uh, yeah, I can't think of everybody Samir. right now. There yeah. was Blackman, who you're not talking about. There was, I can't remember actually. It, it's a blur. Either way, a lot of home Sano. runs. Sano, yes. Sano. To me, that was one of the most exciting home run derbies I've ever Actually, I have to agree with you because I, we so uh, we did something different last year where we covered the home run derby in an event and bro- we broadcasted it on Rabble TV instead of because we didn't weren't having a podcast yet. And when I say we, I used to have a co-host, Rachel, and she's not on the podcast anymore. And that was why I did it again because it was really fun. And we did like we called it home run, uh, home run derby drink or dare so it when somebody lost like say like stanton beats whoever in the first round well we had this like buck because we were at a bar we were live uh broadcasting from a bar on main street in santa monica o'brien's which is oh, closed down O'Brien's. wow we talk about o'brien's in like every episode by the way so everybody's <laughs> like here's about this like shitty place that like we all loved so much because i used we used a lot of us used to run a show there because they had a you know a comedy show in the back yeah but so we were at o'brien's our like hometown place that no that is not there for as of right now but it still may might come back again one day not important we um we had the loser of each round or the winner of each round got to pick out the dare for the loser and it was like one person had to like do something and there's random people in the bar you know and they're just like what the fuck are these people doing <laughs> and so one person had to like fake an orgasm like a like oh the, like i went a harry met sally kind oh of a thing goodness. yeah that was the most embarrassing one i think i had to have a i lost because i had to play because we kind of threw it together last minute even though i was a host i had to hit on a random guy's armpits and speak only to his armpits but hit on him 
Wow, what was the opening line? Do you remember? I was like, "Hey, how are you? You smell really good." And I remember, but I was speaking directly to his armpit. Yeah. And um, it was just like silly, dumb stuff like that, you know, <laughs> like stuff that like would really embarrass somebody. Had to one guy had to s- ballet dance. Like it was really fun. So that was how we like I got the idea to this is something that should become more of an event and so we were really lucky because this year we got sponsors we got people involved we got to like promote a lot of people and so it was really great and then ken gar was representing aaron judge and like that guy needs to be any cockier so we had a dunk tank (laughs) for the losers this year so the winners got to uh the winner of each round got to three tries to dunk the loser isn't that cool so awesome yeah we put it on andy's front lawn um and so in the end ken won he got all the prizes and now he's really cocky and he's in my fantasy league and he calls himself judge gar Oh my god. So if you ever see him, don't call him that because he doesn't need any more ammunition to be cocky. Wow. Yeah. Judge Gar. Judge Gar. And I can't wait until Judge Gar goes motherfucking down in my fantasy <laughs> league. In my LA Comics fantasy league, okay? <laughs> well, I'm excited. Your your commish you were just telling me before. That's a big role. Co commish. Co commish, um, excuse me, excuse me. I love how you're like you're so used to hosting, so your like questions are very poignant, you know? <laughs> Nobody else is like that, you know? But thanks. Because yeah, this course, is a this is a conversation at the end of, of the day. But yeah, so we were so you and I were talking about this before the podcast so I the reason one of the reasons I've always wanted to do an LA Comedians League although I wanted to call it Comedians not Comics because I actually hate the word comic because I think it downplays comedians but either way it's fine I have a co-commissioner so you can't you have to you know you don't fight all your battles so we're calling it the Comics League whatever and I like being in charge to some degree because I I'm very like get shit done like I'm like pay me and here is like three options for the draft and like I'll work with you to some degree, but like that's it. And I spent all day yesterday texting people about the draft and bl- this and that and the other thing. And then this was literally a day and a half ago, set up the draft today, got paid 100 percent in 24 hours and literally set up the league a week ago. So that's why I like being in charge, but it's also like kind of annoying, you know, but but you're going to get it done. Yeah. So if someone else it's. Is it is it comfortable for you if someone else is in charge but they're not doing it to your liking? Is it is it easier for you even though it's it can be chorish? It's a good. You'd rather be in charge. It's a good question. Um, I have found from co-producing shows with people, co-hosting with people, now co-commissioning with people, a little bit of it is a me thing for sure. I'm, I think I'm very like logical in what I want the outcome to be. I know fantasy football and I in this particular case or like I know how to what a good comedy show looks like in a case of co-producing and or whatever. And so when the other person has silly ideas, I and I'm not saying that about anybody in particular. It's just a general theme. I think that I tend to I used to be a lot more like, no, no, we're not doing that. And I used to be a little bit more abrupt and so people would think I was maybe hard to work with I have like perfected not perfected no I should not say that I have gotten better at like giving certain things away like negotiate like being compromising Mm -hmm. and always going into a situation where I'm like okay I know that I do not agree with this but I'm gonna get what I want here at the end of the day because I'm like go in go in this to whatever it is be just with your one goal is to like influence and if you just do that then you'll you'll naturally figure out how that conversation goes and you won't be like abrupt it's like an emotionally intelligent way to approach things so i think i'm good at it but inside 
I'm I'm still that person that's like fuck no we're not doing it that way and you have no power yeah. you just don't know it yet <laughs> so I hope my co-commissioner's not listening because he's gonna be like Shannon also by the way my birthday is December 21st and I just found out recently that I have the same birthday as Joseph Stalin so maybe that's where it comes from oh it's my a, goodness it's a Sagittarius thing maybe there you I go. don't know um, but you were taught so but let me ask you this because you've commissioned a league before right coming into my second year okay so so now I was making this comment to you but we didn't really get a chance to finish this I so my thought process was in going into this and agreeing to like be a commissioner is that after you get everybody just organized for a draft you get them paid and you you know you set up the draft or whatever then you don't really do anything after that except for like approved trades right like your job is over for the most right? part yeah I would say but you kind of, of get you kind of led me to believe that maybe I have more work to do well the the <laughs> trade thing I see and my our group and maybe this this your league's very much co-ed so i i can't say it's a uh lack of irresponsibility on the male side of things but our group just did not want to pay up front so it was a trust thing so that whole thing was a was a spiel all the way through the oh, season oh so that's not, okay i see and i am in another league with my fraternity in college and so we don't pay to the end either which is where, like i gotta wait i won both my leagues last year and i had to wait to the playoffs thank that's you that's the yeah. best feeling. i am i am the champ champ that's uh, awesome as, as mcgregor would say <laughs> It feels good. I'm going Listen, into the, I'm going in the season. You got you got you have you have another two weeks to ride out ride that out. And when you win <laughs> a fantasy football league, you get bragging rights for a year. Oh, it feels it feels fantastic. I won my league, so I my league. Bef uh, this is my only league right now, which is also why I was like, I'm gonna I really want to put this together because there was some interest and some talk about it, and it's just a matter of somebody just getting it done. Um, because I was in a league for ten years, and it wow. just this is the first year I'm not in it because it ended, and you. Know how it goes. What did it end like? The season of Friends? Like it just. It's yeah, just, it just was like we had a good run, guys. Ten seasons. Yeah. It can't go eleven. We gotta go. We gotta practice the stands of showmanship. We gotta go out on top. No, baby. we gotta go out on top. And you know what? I came in third last year, so it wasn't a bad way to go out. And well, it all. But I think one of the things behind it was like we weren't. There was an actual lack of camaraderie in the league the whole time and in, in a growing capacity where we were coworkers in like a very difficult like corporate environment because this is like from my old job. And so the one cool thing about that is that like I actually really hated some of the people in my league so when i beat them it like actually made it that much better oh, of course but like i think it's still better to be in a league of people you want to be like a like a judge gar but like you still like love them at the end of the day yeah, so when you can embarrass them or whatever you do humiliate them when they lose you still have that love for them underneath so i remember one of my most shining moments in this league my finer finest moment was when i won uh, three years ago I think I won the league first place twice in 10 years came in second like three times came in third twice yeah and the rest were I just ended up in the middle or whatever I take it's it good, very seriously it's a good fantasy memory yeah 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 and I mean you know I know my stats you know well, a lot of guys will not oh I didn't lose that I didn't lose <laughs> in 2013 what the heck are you talking I didn't try I didn't set my lineup I was going through a rough breakup oh <laughs> my god that's so funny though differences between men and women I love it though and so I the, the last time that I won was like maybe the most hostile work environment year that I happened to be in and I just wrote this email where I was like hey everybody um, you got beat by a girl 
XO Shannon and nobody responded because that's how much hate much we hated each other and I know their egos were like through the roof and I was like you know what if this is my last year I'm winning and I'm gonna say that so this past year I kind of knew it was like the last year because everyone's just you know going their separate ways and people were leaving the company like all this I don't even work there anymore and so I just made it a point to say um, to email only the people that came in fourth to 16th because it was a shitty 16 team league. Big league. So I, I emailed everybody 4th to 16th and I was like, hey guys, I'm probably not going to be in the league after this year, but just FYI, you all got beat by a girl because <laughs> I was the only female in the league. So so that's that's where that wow, is. But, you beat 15 men. Yeah. That is but remarkable. You know it's not like, it's not always like, I love football, but I wouldn't say I'm more of an expert at football than some of the people that I beat or whatever. It's just how you play the game, right? And right. I, lo- I love the competition. I don't, I can't see myself in a year of football without a fantasy team. I don't know what to do. I hear you. I actually wouldn't know because I haven't experienced that as an adult. <laughs> like, I, you know, like not being in a league. But there was something else I was going to, oh, but uh, in this particular league, oh my God, can I tell you what we're doing? Please. So this was a negotiation, but I really think it's a great idea. So the loser of this comics league, um, the commission, the other commissioner's idea was to just kick him out. And I said, or her, because there is one other female, my friend Brooke. And I said, no. I said, I don't think that's enough. I said, I think this person should be roasted, like a real <laughs> roast battle. Because, cause like, you know, some of us do the roast battle. Like, I do it sometimes. Um, Joe Prano does it. Ken Gar does it. And then other people just are good at writing jokes because we're comedians. Why not play on our strength? So we're actually going to have, like, a, a Venice backyard stand-up show with an audience in December and the person that comes in 12th has to stand up there and we all get to deliver our best meanest roast jokes to this person and it doesn't have to be fantasy football topic related no 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 it's just, no it's based on oh. completely ripping this person apart they're full on in the Budweiser hot seat exactly so that's what and we're gonna film it too <laughs> so everybody that's not there gets to see it it will be burned in the <laughs> isn't that cool so if you, awesome. if you lose you're 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 in the roast battle that's worse than losing 100 bucks I think so 100% right so now people are like all into it and they all paid me right away people are like paying attention <laughs> I think that's a part of it is making their make the making the stakes higher so and one of the things I said to the guys is I'm like and the lady I'm like you know if you're that guy or girl that gets like really fucked up on Saturday nights and you're like fuck it I'm not gonna set my lineup because this is like my third league right then you're a dickhole but also you're in for some shit so because this is happening so yeah don't don't treat this like it's your third league bullshit okay because i know for most people it probably is because it's a new brand new league you know and you might be in it too actually i'm i'm on the uh i'm on the i'm on the bench right now but i'm i'm staying ready i'm I'm stretching the calves you know there's four guys i have questions about and i don't know them that well so i would if i had to guess one something's gonna happen i I think there's like about a eight 75 to 85 percent chance you could end up being in this league i'm just brady waiting for blood so i get hurt man here we go oh no <laughs> so you know what you know what's interesting so i i think we may have talked about this before what are you gonna do this year are you are you a chargers fan i'm from san diego i'm very what are you conflicted. gonna do it feels like the uh the good looking girl burned mm-hmm. me and uh you know do I root for her success or not? It, first of all, in San Diego, it feels like there's a huge hole in the city. It, it just feels weird. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I've actually um, talked about this a lot on the podcast, uh, more so from the standpoint, but I get into it a little bit on like this Chargers dynamic because the Eagles, and you know I'm a Philly fan. Of course. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, I mean, obviously this is your first time listening to the podcast because I'm a hardcore Philly fan. And they're in uh, L.A. twice this year. And so I, I have tickets to the Rams game in December, 
but I'm having a lot of trouble getting tickets to the LA Chargers game because the Coliseum or the not the Coliseum the what's it called the StubHub Center. Okay, <laughs> Alex, please explain this to me because I can't wrap my mind around this. The average stadium on the lowest end in football seats 60,000 people average is like 80 the highest is 90,000 until this year the LA Chargers seat 27,000 people 27,000 27,000 that's three times less than the than the smallest um stadium in America so what the fuck is going on it's it's such an L to take on so many levels I don't understand it like what's the rationale like why would they do that like well the 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 owner, Span- Dean Spanos, is the offspring of the actual owner of the team, Alex Spanos. So you, you, people will say it's the it's the entitlement of the kid inheriting the team, like Jim Buss yeah, yeah, taking yeah. over for Jerry Buss. He's going right. to make his, his issue, you know, he's going to have his trials and tribulations. It looks like he just wanted the money. But I don't understand how you can go from the focal point of the city to now arguably the 8th, ninth, or 10th most important franchise in the city. I mean, who's going to go to the Chargers game? Nobody can go. Also, you're going to go Rams, Bruins, and Trojans before you even marry on going to I, StubHub. I, I know. That's what I'm trying to, uh, trying to understand. Like, this is the weirdest dynamic, not only in football because of the two teams in the same city, but then also you just took a team from a city two hours away versus like St. Louis or something. And then you stuck them in a stadium where you can't even fucking fit people in there. What was it like a soccer stadium before? Or something? It's the galaxies. That's where the galaxy. Yeah. Play. And then you've got all this other, these other competing dynamics going on. So I'm just like really confused and I'm just thinking out loud. Like, I mean, they still have like, there's certain elements of like the team that like, okay, I went to Clemson and you guys got, our top wide receiver. Yeah, unfortunately, he's hurt. I know. I, I don't think you say. All, I don't know how our sounds right now. Over yeah, that's true. Okay, I so don't you know. so you're, I don't you're know. yeah. So okay, that's my that's my bigger question though. It's, that's a good point. I'm just assuming you're still a Chargers fan. So how does that work? I would I would be fucking devastated. Yeah. I wouldn't even know what to well, do. It would never happen in Philly ever. No, no. I mean, we're. Have you ever been to Qualcomm by the way in San Diego? No, I haven't. So anybody that goes, whether you're a Chiefs fan, a Broncos fan, an Eagles fan, it is. Half blue and half red if the Chiefs are there, or half orange if it's the Bengals. It's unfathomable. That's interesting. It's, why it's why 50, is that? 50, I don't know. It's it's a huge fair weather town. Even though I'd like to think we we are diehards down there, mm-hmm. we're not. No, uh, no, no. I, I can already tell you that. Yeah. I mean, you're you're an exclusion because of uh, you, because most people I meet from San Diego sound like they like swallowed salt water. They're like, <laughs> hey, br-, and they say like, bra, you know, with a U in it, not even an A, not even a bra. Oh, it's a that's, bra. Oh, that's painful it's worse than venice really <laughs> i'll never forget the first guy i met from san diego and i'm being so stereotypical right now i was in it was when i first moved to california from philly mm-hmm. actually i was in new jersey and i was at i was at the it was in a kitchen at the office i was working at and this guy was like yo man like i can't even do it that well he called you man That's no no, no he was talking to somebody else oh, he was like hey bro like yeah man uh, we're gonna like like get that order like blah 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 and i'm really doing a terrible job but i remember like laughing to myself because i was like oh my god that guy without looking at him i'm like he sounds like that guy spicoli from (laughs) fast times at ridgemont high sean penn in that old high school movie but in this like very like i'm not actually i don't actually talk this way i'm making fun of and mocking people who actually talk this way who because nobody talks this way because i'm from the east coast and i didn't know that right it was a very organic cultural like shock culturally shocking moment where I turned around and I'm like 
oh, you actually talk that way. And I'm like, where are you from? And he was like, San Diego. <laughs> and he says like, San, you know? And I was San. like, so that was my first impression of San Diego, by the oh. way. And it has tainted me ever since. Oh, I'm just that's a horrible <laughs> opener. Oh. We have some education. Down I know, there, I, I know, I know, I know. Actually, that movie's based off of San Diego High School, by the way. Well, and I mean, and does it Spicoli sound like some people? Because I know one person that sounds just like him, and he's a real guy, and oh, yeah. he's not doing it on purpose. He's actually very nice. He just sounds kind of like a like that typical like surfer. But like, if you're from the East Coast or any part other part of the country. You don't even really think that's like a real thing. Right. You just think that's like a funny ha ha, like, yeah, brah, like, brah, you know, like, but it's real. Yeah. I mean, my question is, does it work past 16? I mean, <laughs> at least with the opposite yeah, gender. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, because yeah. I was getting outplayed. I did all right with women, but I was get. I had to compete against these little blonde thrinkuses that have, <laughs> uh, can cut back and air in a, on a five foot fish in the water. And I'm over here with a Jewish Italian fro. I was just gonna say, at a you, private Catholic school, by the way, it you, was. Uh, wait, you went? You're but you're part Jew. Yeah, my dad's Jewish. My mom's Italian. We talked about this before because I was gonna say. I think part of the reason why you don't sound like that is I just think there's a Jewish element yeah. where everyone because like even Jews in LA sound like they're from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. you, and I actually, when I met you, and based on our mutual friend Brett, who's from. New Jersey, mm -hmm. same place that I'm from. Yeah. I just figured you were a guy from the, <laughs> you know, from where we're from, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when you're like San Diego, even <laughs> though you don't speak like that, I'm like, it, it must be like part Jew, part you, you yeah. know? <laughs> That's a great tagline. Yeah, it part is. Part you, part you. <laughs> there you go. Because you're not, because you don't sound like that. But I, yeah. I respect that because I actually respect you more when I speak to you because oh, you don't have like a, a shitty accent just trying yeah. to help taint that uh or get rid of that tainted view of the san diego but you grew up with these people too like a little like it's a little dog town even though that's technically venice but yeah. you know that's what you think of when you think about san places like san diego san diego san diego or venice coming from other parts of the country and i always just figured that's what makes up their fan base when it comes to football i don't know but i'm totally making that up yeah well there's a big uh big mexican culture down in san diego that yeah huge southeast san diego well it's not far from mexico so no, that makes sense right. And there's a lot of support. I would say uh, th that culture's our biggest diehard down there, uh, and and they're probably hurting the most. I mean, I think the Gringos could take it or leave it, but I'm just no, it hurts. It, it it sucks. There's one. There's no way to say other than the, it's it's weird down there with no team. So where do you, Alex? It sounds like you don't. Maybe you don't have like a. A elevator speech or an exact understanding of where you stand yet on the chargers and mm -hmm. where, where, you know, your fan, your, like your passion is, but what have you thought about so far? Like, where are you in that po process <laughs> well, of processing? It was interesting that the, my ex, ex, ex-girlfriend is good family friends with the rivers uh through uh ca the catholic church so is xxx a millennial way of saying and i'm a millennial, millennial too by the yeah. way but like um is that a way of saying like three, three, three times ago yeah, yeah okay that's what ago. i thought okay well, well cool. done yeah cool so uh when i found out that he will be commuting and not moving i did LA, hear that i did I hear like, that wow that's and i i learned that pretty early on do and you he like does that have six daughters and two sons so there's that. But that made me feel a little comforting on some level because maybe, I mean, he's the face of the franchise. Yeah. He's going to be there for hopefully at least three to five more seasons, hopefully closer to five. And That's very ambitious. I, I know. But I'm, so where I stand right now is I'm, I'm not emotionally invested. When, when the season starts, I'll probably end up 
supporting them, but it's the players and not the organization. It's a weird yeah. answer. It's just like, I don't know that it's going to ruin my Sunday anymore when they, you know, lose like they did to the Saints last year. Yeah. In a 99.9% chance of winning in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then lost. Yeah. Well, did you have money on that game? Uh, three team parlay. Yeah, it sounded like you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it adds insult to injury. You know what I mean? Oh, double whammy. One thing I've learned as a Philadelphia fan is you can never bet with your heart. And I know that in that particular case, you didn't because 99.9% is like, well, my heart's invested in addition to the fucking odds. So that's why it's even worse, you know? But I've learned early on, I feel like anytime, just in general, I've bet on, because I love, I like if I lived in Vegas, like I would have a legit gambling problem. I love, like I almost can like, there was like a couple years, like five years back where I could like, People are like, oh, my therapist said this. I'd be like, my bookie said that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I literally would, like, reference my bookie. And I, like, was like, okay, I i don't have enough money to be doing this, you know? So the point is, is that I learned through trial and error and a lot of losing money and that it's hard when it comes to your team, even if the odds are in your favor, because there's just something weird about, like, when I would actually bet on my team, they would fucking lose. Yeah. Isn't it weird? Well, so Colin Coward talks about this on his show, how he, he would do gambler's insurance. So he would bet against the team he loved so that if they won, they won. But if they lost, he's making money. Interesting rationale. I but- actually started doing that. Oh, really? Oh, in the later years, I started doing that because I'm like, I'm I'm uh, diversifying my um, my interest because if the Eagles lose, but I bet on the other team, the only t- then I win. But the o- so I actually started doing that. But the o- so it's interesting somebody says that. Yeah. The only time though, there's two things to be said about that. The first one is is that if uh, they played somebody in the NFC East, though, I couldn't actually like I I just like wouldn't. Get, like get involved or I would just always have to go with the Eagles because I ha- like it's against like my moral values to like root for the like to pay money um, towards the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys only when they're playing the Eagles just because I hate them so much and you know how much I hate like Jerry jo- I mean I've oh. talked I probably dominated your entire podcast with like why Jerry Jones the 10,000 reasons he shouldn't have been inducted as a into the Hall of Fame anyway bent away <laughs> but then the second thing is if you bet against your team and then your team wins then you feel like an asshole that's the other thing. That's that can be accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I got I got the Jew and the Catholic guilt. So. Yeah, oh, man. Easy for me to How do you even that. get out of bed every morning? You know. <laughs> I kind of meditate, or I'm not. Well, you know. So one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, your is your uh, podcast because your podcast. Um, I I've listened to other episodes. I oh, love hearing you. it, and Appreciate I wouldn't say it. like there's some elements that are like pretty similar. So. At the end of the day, let's just say, Alex, you haven't fully processed how you feel about the Chargers, right? But you do have fantasy and you've got the love for sports that you have because you, you host a sports podcast. So how did you get into that? Because you, you're, you're, you got a lot of followers, man. You got a lot more than I do. Thank you. Well, I mean, I've been at it for a little bit. I Well, I knew... I knew in the mid '90s, uh, you know, five, six years old, pretending I was all ten players on the Supersonics and Bulls, and announcing in my driveway I by myself that. that I uh, that I love sports. That's so um, cool. And it was an all-girl street randomly, so I, I guess I got a, away with it. But I was full-on <laughs> Steven Glansberging it from Super Bad. By the uh, way, by you guys, myself. Alex is really bad looking. So when he makes references <laughs> to being really great with women, you're gonna be shocked when you see his picture if you haven't already. Go ahead. Yeah. So basically. Uh, I fell in love hour one. I mean, I was rocking a Stan Humphreys Chargers jersey uh, with the bowl cut, uh, voluntarily tucked in the whole kit and caboodle. So did you have a like a Jew 
bowl cut? Because that's a little bit of like a different bowl cut. You yeah, know what I mean? mean? Well, yeah. If that's if you're alluding to like a, a Beatles sit. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. With the yeah, with the bangs and everything. So that's cool. So you were sports announcing in your driveway when you were a little kid. When I was a little kid. That's so, so fucking cool. Yeah, and then you know ended up being the sportscaster for my high school. Got to interview no a couple way. pro athletes there, and then kind of got the bug and and went to college. Uh, I they didn't have a sports broadcasting department at Chapman where I went, but uh-huh. I was in broadcast news and uh, I took full advantage of the sports there and did play by play and sports radio and anchoring stuff, whatever I could do. So this is like your love. This is why you're so good at the, you, you know, you're so like one of the best, uh, interview guests I've ever had because oh, wow, you're your host. You. You're also hosting. <laughs> well, I, mean, I can't turn it off. I, well, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to, but in a way, that's what I was alluding to earlier. I'm like, your questions back to me because most people are like, yeah. So anyway, more about me <laughs> and my narcissistic views on. No, I'm just kidding. But like, but I, but I could tell that about you too when I was on your podcast. Like you're, you're very good at it, and I think obviously that's what you're going for. That's what you want. Your like, what's your dream job at the end I, of the day? Like really? just, just one. Like not elusive. Not like oh, I just want to be like a host. On a network like no you've thought about this like what is the like what is the job like where where are you working yeah the tr- the true dream and i don't know if it'll be a you know network television will be around in years from now but if i could have some sort of a dan patrick rich eisen set coupled with a jimmy fallon kind of feel mm-hmm. to where i can complement the comedy in with the sports and then have guests of all kinds on that would be the dream that would be really cool and yeah. i like the jimmy fallon-esque aspect to it like what because you're a comedian also you do stand up only two years in I, but yes but I, I mean you know two but that doesn't mean anything you know I would even say nowadays like people say you know oh like you know they judge like your ability to get anywhere with stand up or with comedy like based on how many years you've been doing it and if like you read Kevin Hart's book it's very there's lots of good advice in there and he kind of says the same thing like you have to and then I saw this dying laughing films they've actually filmed at my show, Basement Comedy, and oh, they've, no uh, have you, I don't know if you've seen it, it's this great documentary about stand-up. Uh, which one is it called? Dying Laughing. Oh, I, um, that's not the mini-series where they have multiple comics on. Okay, no, no, it's no. a documentary. It, I, I highly recommend it, watch it. It's not what you think. It's actually like, because some of my family doesn't understand me always, and they're like, but you were a business major, and you used to like make a bajillion dollars, and you were doing all these things. Why are you up? why are you talking about jizz? Like, what are you doing with your life? You know, because that's just what my family... Also, I get that Jew guilt, too. And I told you, I'm part Catholic as well. We've yeah. talked about this. Oh, we got a long time. Yeah, so it's, so it's like between the two, it's like I, you know, I barely even go home anymore. But like, <laughs> I, but I, I, I was happy. I watched this on the plane. I just was back east uh, two weeks ago, at, a week ago, whatever it was. And I, um, I watched it and I'm like, this just told me everything I already like know about myself, but more. It almost like made me feel better. Amazing. And but there was only and so I actually highly recommend it. And I told them, I'm like, if you want to understand me, just watch this like movie. There's only two things I disagree with that they said. One of them said, like, you need to be a comic for 10 years before you find your voice. Now, that was said by someone who's an old comic, an old comic. OK, he just age wise. OK. And then a second person said, you have you can't be a good comic com- comedian if you're I hate calling it comic, uh, can't, a good comedian if you're well, a well adjusted person. I also disagree with that, too. I actually completely do. I do. Um, um, 
because I think you can be well adjusted and also still be fucked up enough to be a good comedian because I liken myself to that and other people that I know. Right. And so those are the only two things. But again, this is all a matter of opinion and people are speaking from like the first person perspective. But the whole thing going back to like only two years or or 10 years or 20 years or whatever, I think that's really old school. I think that used to be true. I think when less people were doing it, it was way more based in like New York for, for having success mm-hmm. like it was a different culture I see people now just just fucking killing it only having done it like a couple years and it's almost like really man and then you see people that have been doing it 20 years that are like in the same shows as you and you're kind of like well I hope when I've been doing it for 20 <laughs> years that I'm not in the same show with that guy right. that's been doing you know what I mean though because right. you're kind of like and I think that's because it's an older culture. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because yeah. I'll do stand up my whole life no matter what I do. But that's not like my end game either. My, my end game is very much what your end game right. is to some degree yeah. is sports, comedy and hosting. Yeah. Um, so I think when you say you've been doing it for two years, it's a great roller coaster ride. But I almost feel like year three fucking sucks. Like you're about to really? hit like, wait, am I good at this? Like, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Like it's, it's a really interesting year, but I think after you get over that hump, like this is just my opinion and what the fuck do I know? Then it's like, after that, you're going to go in one direction or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's well said. Well, I wanted to take it back and, and compliment you for just going out and going out of your comfort, not your comfort zone necessarily, this is your wheelhouse, but to leave the money, to leave the comfort, to leave something that kind of we were talking about before it's. If you work hard and everything in corporate world, you move up. Yeah. This world, it's it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. But I I hope that people uh, by the masses that are aspiring to do what you did, take that leap, can get can get inspired from your story. I hope so too, and I hope that I can get to a point in my career where that's a success story versus. 10 years from now I'm like yeah so I fucking used to make a lot of money and now I'm poor and I I became poor for my dream by the way I'm not poor right now I'm talking 10 years from now this is like worst case scenario <laughs> oh, that's what I'm this is a nice household. yeah 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 I'm, I'm still doing okay I'm, I'm figuring I mean I'm a bit of a hustler so I'll like do whatever I have to do like yeah. you know within my moral code um, which is very high and I also except for telling just jokes I will do that but but I I like to think, and you and I were talking about this um, before the podcast started, and I wanted to pick this conversation back up. I like to think that even though what we do and what where we live and what we're searching for in our careers and personal lives and everything um, can happen, like it, it, we're not one of the people, or we're not like in a situation where even though it's hard, we get to a point ever. Because you and I are not at that point. We know people at that point, right? Where they're like, yeah, like I used to have a lot of opportunities and like I used to do this and I used to, and now they're in like shows with us and we're like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> like I want, I don't want to end up like there's, it, it washes, this business can like chew you up and spit you out yeah. because it's not like the traditional job in most, in capitalism, the rules don't apply. Like I used to work for a corporation. I was very good at selling. I'm a, I'm, that was my background, se- being a salesperson. I sold my ass off. I was aggressive. Those two things mixed together, like an East Coast. Yeah, that'll bode success. Un- yeah, work yeah, ethic. Moved up very quickly. Made more money. Got more responsibility. Ended up at a place where I was like, wait, I fucking, wait, this wasn't even how I started. Like, I'm not even selling anymore. Now I'm like managing people and like 
doing it like having hr problems and like blah 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 weird stuff administrative shit and i'm making lots of money i'm seeing politics from the above and i'm like is this really worth it do i want to go over that hump and i think a lot of people in corporate america that get to that point like have that like check-in with themselves and i for many years had that like feeling but i was like nope can't do anything else i gotta survive so i'm just gonna keep my head down and i'm just gonna keep going and then i got for a number of reasons uh the balls to like be like no i'm gonna move to la because i was living up in uh central california Mm -hmm. and just take a demotion and just do something different with my life and number one everybody in my company thought i went crazy because they're like she would she just got a promotion she's on the way for another one and i'm like yeah but this is not what's important in life feeding your soul yeah so I'm not trying to put people into two categories by saying you either go that direction or you go the direction we're going. I'm just trying to make a point that I think when we're when when you try to do a job that fulfills your you personally, that job did not fulfill me personally. It fulfilled the the few hours that I wasn't there with a cushion, a cushiony life, good vacations, good retirement and 401k. Of course. That job was paying for maybe future children, um, a future husband I don't have anymore. But like it was paying for like less of the time of my life. And I just decided like that doesn't make any fucking sense. And I'm just going to go like try to do something that pays for my life. But I'm like happy the whole way through. It's the hardest thing, I think, to love what you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and not have to do anything else to like make that happen. So, of course, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, and again, this field is is not for the the weak. Fuck no. Uh, by any means, and the rejection. Every, thankfully, I had a lot of rejection with women coming into this. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> I doubt that. Okay. You, now Listen, you're now I'm you're opening a lot of sets <laughs> unwarranted. Uh, it, it's, no one's batting a thousand. Maybe. Either way, yeah. Your your girlfriend um, four exes ago taught you this. You know what I mean? Well, I was just talking with my buddy Ocean last night about how you know if it, you're doing, he's doing what he's love. He's traveling right now uh, mm-hmm. in in Torin and. You know, I go, it's interesting because you, your basic needs are met. You have shelter, you have food, you have water, you have clothes, you know, you've, you've done that. But yeah. then it's also interesting on the other side of things where we live in a town where it, it just pushes you to, an, when is it enough? When is enough success enough? Yeah. Like you're always looking to either your contemporaries or someone above. And that to me, that's a, that's where I think from the comedic side of things, you know, a lot of us, I guess, suffer from depression. I don't want to generalize. Well, but, that you is know. a thing that's sort of known. I've known that since I was a little kid before I understood that. That, like, most comedians are the... Comedians are probably the more fucked up people of people because they they uh, project, like, that's how they deal with things because they don't... Or what, I don't know. Like I don't yeah. even really know. Well, how I want to bring up the Jim Carrey um, quote where he says, "You either make a decision out of fear or you make a decision out of love." And, and maybe that sounds a little cliche, no, it but doesn't. it's just like what where you were in your life at that crossroads where you just got the promotion and logically didn't make sense for you to walk away to people that were looking on the outside in. Right. But when you're on the inside, you're like, okay, well, it, it sounds like, and I know for a fact, you made the right decision right. and you made it out of love. Yeah, that's. Um, but, but we. Live in a fear-based world we do oh i actually really love that i i love everything you're saying because i totally agree and i also think that like one of the things you have to harness when you're doing something that's really hard and you're like trying to live your dream so to speak is trust the process like and not and that will allow you to like not have as much fear so when something doesn't work out or you see the fucked up dynamics of like how maybe our industry works because i can say that because 
we talked about this before it's not like the corporate world where one plus one equals two you are good you are talented you work really hard you get to that next level and everything happens like you can plan it out basically it does, you can do those things you have to be talented at the very core level mm-hmm. you have to have a good work ethic for the most part but one plus one does not equal two in this industry because that progression in your career path is not linear so it's really hard i think to um to stay like i can see why it's hard to stay positive and to like trust the process because you're like well how can i trust the process when like somebody some dick fuck who has like five billion followers from a vine video (laughs) is like hosting a show that i should be fucking hosting and then you start comparing yourself to other people yeah because of the way that decisions are made and that's what's tough but i always thought like i'm a boss and like what i do like i like i'm a commissioner and i bitch about it but i kind of really like being like in the leadership like position yeah i feel like in like at least my future like a part of it's going to be i always have to be the performer number one but i feel like being able to change those roles a little bit and and doing that by you can only do that by being in charge is like something i probably have to do i haven't figured that out yet and i'm certainly not in charge but like you know being one of those people that makes those decisions so when you get to actually be on a show that works it's because the it's not because the stars align. It's because you actually have those people in charge. Because that's what, that's what where those, pe- those the most successful things you see on like television and in movies, for the most part, are when the right people are p- pulling the strings. I like that. You yeah. know, that's that's well said. Yeah, and so like I feel like what you were saying before about like you know this before the podcast started like just about how hard it is to live in L.A. It's like. I could see how it's really hard for people to get cynical and it's even hard for me sometimes, especially in that year three comedy to, to stay really like set on my goals because that's all the fear sets in and you can't control it always, right. you know? And I, and I love that you said also before the pod that the go taking a reprieve out of LA to get refreshed, rejuvenated and come back is paramount. Cause I was just telling uh, a new friend earlier today that, yeah, when I went to I only went to Europe once, but I was there for a month, and I, I was so blown away that people's genuineness of having a conversation just to have a conversation. In this town, it's very much, oh, how can you help me? Or who do you know? Or mm-hmm. okay, we we're vibing, but can, can we collab? Like I, yeah. I'm just a schmoozer. I'll talk to random people. Even the left word collab. Right. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> It's it's it can be exhausting. But ser- yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and especially for the not, like we're on the talent side for yeah. the, like the the agents, managers, everyone. Like phew, you're getting unsuggested suggestions all the time. Well, and you have people too. Like I had somebody who watched one of my sets once, and he was a manager, and he had managed some like well-known people. This was like a couple years ago, and I saw him laughing in the crowd, which is validating me because he's. I don't. Ne- I didn't necessarily like. I think he was like in the process of retiring, but just like him and who he represented and him like responding to me validated me. Yeah. But then he completely killed it afterwards because he goes, you're really funny. He goes, but you need to figure out this is actually really good advice. Um, you need to take it, um, figure out how to take it from like, like a couple of chuckles to like a really hard belly laugh, like take what you're doing and like, go deeper with it so I, I listened to that advice but then he totally fucking killed the advice by saying but also like you're really pretty but you have to lose like 10 pounds because you're never going to be hired for anything he what? goes as soon as you lose 10 pounds and figure your and make and write better jokes you'll be great and I remember there was like a couple guy comedians standing with me and he goes he was like did that guy just tell you to lose 10 pounds and I was like 
yeah and he goes i he, he told me i'm never gonna get hired in hollywood if i don't lose 10 pounds and i'm like but that that shit happens all the time but at see if i was 22 and i heard that statement I would probably become anorexic or maybe I would just it would just really bother me for a long time or maybe I would let it allow it to be like a mental setback for me but I remember looking at him and being like uh you're at O'Brien's on a Thursday okay your teeth need to be whitened okay your like shirt is tucked out you don't look like you represent like you look like you were hot shit 20 years ago like based on the game that you're talking and like the rep that has preceded you but you're not managing those people anymore. You, d- you do nothing for my career. You're talking about something from 20 years ago. And the biggest cliche of L.A., which is that everybody tells everybody they need to lose 10 pounds. Ridiculous. And so that's why I'm like that. That's a but it's a perfect example of like something that can knock you down a peg and something that like if you're not grounded in. And I think to some some degree, well-adjusted coming into this business, it can fucking eat you alive. It could make you make wrong decisions. It could make you quit. You know, yeah, and that sense of self is paramount. It really is. And so that's why going back to that dying laughing film, I don't know that I agree at all. I, I no, I know 100 percent. I do not agree that you can't be a well-adjusted person to be a good comedian. Now, I think people who aren't well-adjusted make maybe tremendous comedians like I can't speak for like a Jim Carrey or like a Robin Williams. But you would just think of those people as like people that had really fucked up personal lives, you know, um, turns out they didn't. So that's that. So like I used to think that too, like you need to be really fucked up. I used to think like oh, I can never go to therapy if I have problems because I need I need to be a good comedian. Yeah. And therapy is going to make me too, too like we soft or something. Thankfully, you had your bookie to vent to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then my bookie's like, suck it up, kid. <laughs> P.S. You owe me a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually really funny. And that's a good segue. <laughs> but I think I think it's a good message to anybody doing anything in America. It doesn't have to be in L.A. I just think it's nice to sometimes talk to people about like how hard it is because the more you can talk about it the more i th- think you can stay motivated too because you're gonna have your moments alex next year you should call me when you're year three <laughs> because i know what you're gonna go through and i can like talk you through it and be like you know everything is gonna be okay <laughs> everything is gonna be fine the la chargers might have ruined your life partially oh. but you're, you're a good comedian so you should keep with it <laughs> now you do these really funny um sportscaster what who who is the guy oh, that you thanks. play I don't know how it came to I me. love I, it. <laughs> Thank you. This character. It's so random. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I know the agent thing's been done a ton of times, but this just kind of just hit me like a stroke uh, of, you know. Yeah, but everything that's been lightning. done is going to be done again, because if you think about it, everything's been done and it's just repeated itself in different ways. So well said. You, uh, you, you're not doing something that, you're not copying off somebody else. You're just re- doing something that we know works and you're reinventing it. And that's sort of what com- Thanks. comedy is. Well, there is a great book. Uh, it's, it's a flip book called Steal Like an Artist. And it talks about how the Beatles learned from Elvis, Kobe learned from Jordan, and how, you know, like you can take elements of people's yeah. repertoire and it's not stealing. It's, it's a, con- it's a, I heard flattery or, excuse me, um, Doing something like, like someone else is the highest form of flattery. It is. Yeah. It is. And actually, one of the, the number one things I learned in corporate world, my vice president told me, and he makes like a bajillion dollars, and he's very successful. And he said, um, if you can't figure it out on your own, just copy it and wow. just make it yours. 
And I always did that. And it was always authentic because it wasn't a copy. It was just like, like, I always look at it like this. I like to make comparisons every, and I don't want to get too far off track. Cause I, I can, I by the way. So, so since you're a good host, keep me, keep us, <laughs> keep us back on the point. Okay. Gotcha. But like every, like think about all the funny movies that you've seen over the, that the last three decades that work. And they always have this one character and he's the boss. He's the dickhead boss. And like a good example of him is P. Diddy in Get Him to the Greek. Did you see that oh, movie? Yeah, M- Mindfuck. He kind of made up the he kind of made up the notion of mindfuck. Like I'm mindfucking you right now. <laughs> he and he's it, like, yeah. do you feel like my dick is fucking your brain? And like he because he was so funny in that role. And right. he and he and he's, he even like coined some terms that we use. And then he does Jeffrey later. Remember? And right. he comes and I, he's one of the and I bring him up because he's one of the Jeffrey is a drug. I don't know, even know if it no, really I exists. I remember the Vegas scene. Yeah, that's probably that is actually because i absolutely love that movie and jonah hill and russell brand later after doing jeffrey i want to say joffrey because i'm really into game of thrones right now but it's jeffrey <laughs> um and where jonah hill can't sleep and he just keeps like rocking back and forth and <laughs> randomly screaming with like that look look of terror on his face yeah. but that that role that p diddy plays my point is is one of the better boss dickhead boss scenes that he, he's the boss of interscope i think in that movie mm-hmm. or capital um no, it's it's capital for sure. And that role is in every other movie where there's like a boss, like there's a work dynamic. It's for as long as I can remember, it's, it's not always as good as that one, but it's repeated. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but I just remembered thinking that when I saw his and then I saw another one and I'm like, oh, this is good. Oh, Pitch Perfect 2. So stupid. There's another boss dynamic where it's like a comedian playing the boss who's a dickhead, who's a douchebag, but he's funny. So that character is an example of what we're talking about where it were it, it's it's P Diddy didn't invent that role. Mm-mm. He didn't invent how to play that. He just took something that's works fundamentally in the in the world of comedy and he just did him in it and it worked really well yeah and it's gonna happen and it's gonna continue to be repeated through time so none of us are ever really inventing anything new we're just copying from something else even if we don't know that we are and it's just about adapting it to like the actual current time like he created like a cultural like word mindfuck people weren't using that word before then so i always remembered that i was like and he did that in a role that's been played since comedy was since a a play in the 1800s. Yeah, I don't that's know. That's a really good observation. I don't know. Anyway, that's no, my I point. would say that's that's pretty. It's pretty spot. So on. you can when you look at you doing that as a like a sportscaster. Yeah. You're not cop. You're not. So what if it's been done before? Yeah. You're. I've never seen it. Like oh, I, I, I've seen like Ari Gold. Right. Of okay. Course, yeah. But I've never seen that. I've never seen the one that you're playing. I enjoy your posts. Oh, I think they're I very funny. It. Thank you very much. And you say baby a lot. <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny. It's like really good. It's really well written Thank and it's you. really well played. And it, when you were saying earlier that you were like a kid in your like driveway, right. like that's what I envision, which is like, so not somebody I envisioned from San Diego, like a five, <laughs> like a seven year old just being like, Hey baby, like this, that, and the other thing. And what are you going to do? And they're offering us three contracts. You know what I mean? We're going to go with the first one. That, that's my impression of you doing your hey, impression. That's, that's <laughs> not bad. That's not bad. So how did that come about? I it really just it. I don't know when it, I was watching sports radio in the morning like I often do, and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, oh man, it would be kind of funny to call players 
uh, as if I was their representation and give them my kind of two cents, whether it was a game or an event. Yeah. And have you gotten like response from it? Like people giving you feedback other than mine? Yeah, I've actually, uh, funny enough, I've never been given more credit for anything I've ever done. Really? Like I've interviewed athletes. I've challenged like random people and the pros to stupid stuff. And this little spiel I'm doing in the bottom left corner of an Instagram video for one minute is getting good feedback. Well, keep doing it. That's Thank what you. I say because I've noticed it and this is one thing we've never talked about before and I just like there's so many elements to me that are funny about it too because it's sort of everything we talked about. It's like that Jew guy you know, with oh, the, he's Jewish. Yeah. Oh, he's totally Jewish. I mean, he's Bernstein his, his mother name. is very Jewish. His mother's <laughs> like, when are you getting married? OK, I'm really annoyed. I know you're doing very well successfully, successful man, but you need a woman. And then so that's his mother. She's probably from New York. Um, he's been hustling since he was like a little kid. He's probably from Brooklyn. Right. Um, he talks out of both sides of his mouth at the end of the day. Like he probably has a small dick. I'm just going to say this out loud because that's why he's so good at what he does. But that he. He's, he can focus. he's but yeah but he can fo- yeah and he's but he's really like for me like that that's it's very funny and i i feel like i haven't seen a lot of those elements but a lot of the things that we've talked about on this podcast make up that character like you're not doing it completely like it's done before because you're not a jewish guy from brooklyn i know you have family from new york but let's be honest you're not a real jew in the jewish world because your mother's not jewish so first of all but that doesn't matter but that's actually better for the character (laughs) so so you're not from these places so you're not actually harnessing like an experience of like growing up in like fucking brooklyn in before it was like hips bougie hipster coffee place or like portland or something and also you're like so you're taking different things i think from like things that you love and your experiences and like being in the driveway and not to speak for you please and then adding a a touch of being a san diego fan and maybe that's what works so maybe I at the end of the really day. I appreciate it. It's very nice of you to say all yeah, that. Yeah, I just so psychoanalyzed much. you. Keeps me going because, you know, Bernstein's dealing with depression just like the rest of <laughs> He's in and out of the you're, floor, baby. You're, you're, <laughs> seriously, you're like, a, you're a better version of like a Steinbrenner because we can actually see you too. You like, remember from well, oh, Sein- LD, Seinfeld, baby, Steinbrenner, you know? Oh. But seriously, though, so so as we sort of get towards the end of our discussions here, yeah. I, I really want to hear from you. Like, what is it? What is that moment for you? Like, you're you know, I talked to you about baller stories. Like, what's that moment for you that's really like impacted you? And it could be a series of moments like in to be where you are, like doing doing what's his name again? Bra- Bern- Bernstein. Oh, Bernstein. Bernstein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it reminds me of the writer that wrote Baron. Bernstein oh, Bears. Bernstein Bears. Bernstein Bears. Bernstein Bear- yes. Isn't is that the writer Bernstein? Bernstein? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know why that just popped into my head. Lots of drugs in college. I don't know. <laughs> um, flashbacks. But either way, like that. You know you, what you're doing. Like what your what your goals are. Like with what, what you want your job to be. Like pursuing comedy. Like wh- why does it? How does it all connect for you? Well, the the baller moment for me that stuck sticks out is a I was about to graduate college uh, and like I said earlier I was the sportscaster for my high school and you were like mostly staying at, at XXX's house because that's when you were also living with the girl right actually that's the XX oh shit I can't keep track <laughs> my god you're gonna have to like map this out for me like Game of Thrones style you know yeah the high school girlfriend knows Rivers from San Diego oh you, wait you made it with the high school girlfriend I'm sorry to interrupt no, no I didn't make it to college no that was a short lived oh I was gonna uh, say we always break up freshman year You always, that, that's like a standard exactly. rule if you made it yeah. past that I would. I actually want that to be your baller story. But continue. In with fact, the, actual two of the last one. three girls that dumped me have been on the phone. I'm like, my 
Goodness, how, and hurts. how long has like the average relationship been in amongst these three? Uh, well, Time one frame. was like four four months, so that was okay. okay and I was eight nineteen, so that's okay. That's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the other one was two years. That, that hurt a little bit. Mm. That was kind of my welcome to Hollywood. That's really um, fucked up. Yeah, different. We could talk about that. Yeah, that's point. another podcast. That's part two. <laughs> Alex's love life. Oh man, but yeah. So the the ballers moment. So basically, I got to my my high school that I only went to for two years was a private Catholic school in Del Mar, and it was a very nice Ooh, uh, sports bougie. institute. Yeah, it is a little. Uh, it is a little bougie. Even Callie, um, Callie the bulldog, is barking from the background because <laughs> she's like, "Ooh, a guy from Del Mar's in our house. I hope my mama is like, going to be XXX number th- five thousand. Seriously, like I'm surprised she hasn't like gotten right on her back and shown you all eight of her nipples yet because she usually does that for guys, um, and especially because you're from Del Mar. I can't believe that she's like because she's sitting right here. Right Ooh, wait, now. I'm not from Del Mar. Oh, I'm sorry that you, li- no, 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 you no, live there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that, uh, but there's I'm not a fair amount there. It's actually the nice one of the nicest hotels I've ever been to. I mean, oh, Del Mar yeah. is very nice. You know where that's where uh, LeBron got married. At that the Fairmont? Grand, the Grand Del Mar. <gasps> yeah. I stayed there twice. You and I lit there? Twice. You know what's funny is me and my buddy go there on our birthdays and smoke a cigar and buy one drink and pretend like we're 45 with real problems. Oh, my God. I, I even have... That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. That's what Bernstein is. would do. Like, seriously, as, a, as like a, a, tw- a guy in his 20s, like, one day I'm going to stay here. I'm going to own this place. You know what I mean? But seriously, in all, in all seriousness, that is... To this day, people... Like... Uh, like uh, people will say like what is people don't ask me this fucking question but like if i'm in the the right conversation i have said the best the number one bougiest and most beautiful place i've ever stayed in my life is the fairmont grand del mar grand del mar the rooms are god out of this world like i can't even tell you and like i just one time spent like five hours in the bathtub just because i'm like i'm never gonna be in a bathtub like this ever again right what where what am i supposed to do with this like it's too much oh five, like, there's like all these closets like, you can't even it's anyway it's so nice but go yeah. ahead please well I, I discovered it because my next door neighbors will play music in the lobby once a week there for eight years see callie's trying to high five you she's <laughs> yeah. like we're bonding yes you are so uh, yeah so the baller story for me for the sports that stuck out basically in senior year of college my high school broadcasting teacher invited me to our our school we were putting on our espn and nfl network were there because cam newton was working out Ooh. first pro day so this was five this was now six seasons ago i believe five, so six tall seasons ago. that would have been cool to see that yeah and so my my teacher kind of prepped me he's like all right you can ask one question maybe because it's going to be a huge press conference espn's here nfl network's here so anyway, so here it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool story. I mean, I, I don't. I don't what know were you I, thinking before this day was gonna happen? I want to know that. No, we have all of the time in the world oh, because okay. I already love this story. So I want to know, like, okay, your teacher tells you that. Did you get anxiety because you're like, no, I like need to be a part of this? Like, um, cause, cause, well, yeah, I was like, yes, I get, I get moments where I like, okay, I need to, I need to take initiative and yes. I need to capitalize. It's a little bit of, of excitement and anxiety, yeah, and like, that's I well have said. this has to happen. Yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah. So I was uh, interning a Bleacher Report for the at the time. Um, to in get high my, school? Uh, no, college. Oh, college. college. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I sorry. was senior in college going back to my high school. Oh, my okay. Bad. I'm I sorry. I misphrased that. Either way, still yeah, cool. So the high school had really nice football fields and, ba- and baseball fields and whatnot. So pro, yeah. pros would work out there. Okay. So basically, uh, I was told, yeah, maybe you can ask them one question, but you know, wait your turn and, and we'll s- you pick your spot. Right. So when I was interning at Bleacher Report, I had written an article uh, pre-draft. This was when Tebow was on the Broncos. Uh-huh. So my question was based off an article where I had this 
this fictitious two quarterback shotgun formation. So a picture like I almost need to stand to demonstrate it for Please you. But you do. know how, like shotgun, you know, when when like Wentz is in shotgun and Sproles is right next to him. I might actually videotape this just for our promotion, <laughs> just because this is like better yeah, go than ahead, go ahead, okay. Okay, now now go. All right, so it's like a, it's Hold a, on, wait, now go. It's a two quarterback shotgun formation. So if okay. like Wentz was next to Sproles, but I'm pitching this to Cam Newton, but it would be Tebow and Newton. So essentially oh. it would be a two quarterback shotgun formation that hasn't really been done before in the NFL. Uh-huh. But I thought if anything, this would be more interesting for a press conference question to Cam than your average. Yeah. So I'm thinking this as I'm going there, I'm like, okay, like let's and, and in my mind I'm logically I'm like, all right, Tebow's left handed, Cam Newton's right handed, <laughs> they can both run, they right. can block, one can throw. And if anything, they were teammates on Florida. It's an interesting, you know, rehashing of the past. Right. So basically, I I go there, and I kid you not, before the workout, I sit down, look to my right, Trent Dilfer. (gasps) I pitch him the whole spiel. He is, he goes, he turns to me, he goes, you know, Alex, we get these types of theories all the time. Oh, shit. It stopped taping. Oh, but okay. you, No, no. But you yeah. know what? Well, I, that was still good. But still stand up and do it, though. Even <laughs> so, though. so we get we get this these types of theories all the time. And he go, and I go, but but you have to understand, like, they, they really are. It, it, it could work. Like, one of them doesn't. They don't have to both get the ball. They one Tebow could be the decoy. Yeah. So then he took my information down. But shunned the theory. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to be turned off from this. So anyways, so Cam does his workout. I'm, I'm kind of schmoozing on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And the, the press conference comes. And okay. it's not a press conference that's like orderly that you would do on a podium after a game. It's okay. a bum rush Cam and let's all stick our mics in his face and ask a question. So... Didn't get to ask the question. Oh no! But, and I was a little, I was down. I was bummed. Right. But then all of a sudden he starts walking to the uh, the sideline to change his cleats, and and I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh! All right, well he's changing right now, and this is my this is my window. This may not be during the press conference, quote unquote, but I'm going right up to him. I kid you not. <laughs> I roll up to him. I go, Cam. All right, this is going to be a little outlandish, but I had this question <laughs> that I really wanted to ask you. I wrote an article on Bleacher Report about it. Here it is. What would you think, this is before he was drafted, if the Broncos were to take you third overall and put you in a hypothetical two-quarterback shotgun formation with you and Tebow? And he goes, man, we'd be like Superman and Batman. Oh! And it turned into like a three to five minute discussion about where we grew up. He was asking about the high school. He's like, man, the ham- I was telling him you got to have the ham and cheese croissant. You know, if I'm going to Atlanta where he's from, what right. am I eating? You know, why are there basements there? Not here. I was just riffing. But I, I was like, oh my gosh. And my, my teacher sees it and records <gasps> about half of it. Do you have it? It's on YouTube. It's only like a third of the convo. But I'm like 21 or 22 and I'm just sitting there and I'm talking to him, just kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm literally, I, I have his attention with Dilfer to the right and Siciliano to the left and ESPN. And I'm like, I got the best conversation out of anyone here. And then the best part was I grab a ball and I know it doesn't look like I'm an athlete, but I, I'm okay. I played in the fifth quarter, freshman year of football. Right, uh, right. Yeah. So I throw, I give him the ball and I just take off and I run a 25 yard post pattern. Don't even look to see if he. So I'm running. <laughs> Did you know that the, you were going to do this? Or you just no, were like no, no. on this adrenaline? Was straight on adrenaline. I was wow. on a high. I grab the rock. I dish it to him. I go on this <laughs> post pattern and he, I turn around and he's three step dropping and <gasps> getting ready to throw me the ball. And 
the whole time the ball's in the air, I'm going, if I drop a Heisman Trophy winner's ball, if I drop a Heisman, <laughs> like, I better not drop this. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I catch it on our 50-yard line mascot, and I do, again, impromptly, do the T.O. on the Dallas Star touchdown. Remember when he was a Niner and he caught the touchdown in Dallas and he ran to the Star, put the ball down, went like that, yes. got a ton of shit, did it again, and then got tackled by Roy Williams. Yes. So I did that. I look over, and him and his four homies are cracking up because I'm just like, ah. And then I kind of, I don't know what else wait, I did, did after you, that. Wait, did but, you catch it, though? Oh, I caught the ball. Oh. You, oh, that's what I'm saying. I caught it, and then I celebrated. From Cam Newton. From Cam Newton. And it was like the uh, it was like the Terrell Owens on the star. Yeah, even T- though, yeah so basically, yeah, I caught so the rock. So this is the coolest baller story, like, of all time, <laughs> by the way. Like, it's, it's, it's like, multidimensional. Oh, thank it's you. It's got, like, different different elements Callie basically is like enamored with you she's never barking at look at her look at her right now she's let she's let me she's like I'm giving you my hand in marriage because you are my next husband um no that's probably I have to say like the coolest baller story I've ever had oh on this gosh. What show an honor. Thank this, this, this podcast whatever this is no super cool I and you know what that is so such a cool background because or backstory because like all those things combine God, what was your post thoughts like just about you and your life? My literal, yeah, my literal post thoughts were, oh my gosh, I went into this maybe getting told I was going to ask one question in, a, in an ensemble and left catching a 25-yard post pattern from a guy who's going to go first overall. Jesus. And, and, how, and how did that affect your life, I, you know? I literally left there and it, start, it gave me the confidence to start my show. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I... All I needed was just enthusiasm, passion, and and conviction going up to him, and he was receptive. So then within six months, I'm in Scottsdale with Ryan Clark from the Steelers playing him in beach volleyball with a 10-pound medicine ball because it clicked in that moment. I'm like, wow, if I interview athletes i'm positive about it and i'm i'm you know funny and lighthearted and not asking your normal bs press conference ask questions right it'll be an interesting conversation and then with my you know comedic whatever and i'm very self-deprecating maybe do a little physical challenge against him so that was that was pretty much the light bulb that went off That's there so and then, cool so i only ended up doing like 12 pro athlete challenges a couple cool ones i did sumo wrestling against matt barnes that mm-hmm. was pretty cool uh, among others and then um that turned into the podcast but it got me you know it got me going in in LA and right and it was a great affirmation that you know just being positive behind an intention I'm sorry I'm gonna take a picture of you of Ka- how much oh. Callie's trying to marry you right now because this has never <laughs> happened before really but, well like she she loves people in varying proportions but she's literally like I think she's actually getting married to you right now. She like you can't. She can't go a second without you holding her hand. Well, That's so I did, cute. Well, the, I did see another bulldog earlier today, <gasps> so it's I can't take. There's full ma- there's for some it. jealousy there. there. There's some there's some aromas. She's even crossing that. her legs like a lady. <laughs> like I'm gonna make this one work. You know, Kelly. I'm in the long game here. She's awesome. No, that's such a cool story, oh, honestly, and it it kind of got you to the point that you are now, and it yeah. and it and that's the answer for your life so that's what my oh, book wow. that's what my bookie would say anyway <laughs> not my therapist because I, I don't go to your bookie what I don't have either <laughs> by the way because that's how I'm keeping this house and maybe a therapist soon I don't know but like because you know you could always use a little bit of therapy but either way I think that is cool and I and I, I always love to like break down like why 
like people you do what you do like what what is driving you like you're very talented like oh, you're you're you. doing you're you're blowing up you're doing some really cool stuff and we're definitely going to see you on tv if it still exists oh, wow. one day Thank you never you, you know I, I hope so and i mean in a lot of ways you're the guy version of like what i'm trying to do you yeah. know like i mean i started the podcast way a long time ago with my co-host and one of the first things we said was we can't stand hearing fucking like p pg like press conferences and these dumb things and even like what they say like on espn and how they have to be like politically correct because there's always something happening behind the scenes that are that's driving like some some you know and and i'm talking more like the traditional not like some of the funnier stuff but like then the funnier shows on like espn but like some of the more traditional like sports centery stuff and sometimes it's just like it's a little too pg like they can't step outside of the box they can't say things sportscasters can't say things and i'm like well what if we just said what's actually happening yeah so i appreciate that a lot thank you you've been very nice and again very talented as well and you're doing an incredible i think you you should be going full steam ahead i know you are with this but there's just not a lot of women that are able to be able to you know carve this lane that you're carving and talk and shit it, about f- sports well, you got to put these freaking men in place that think that just because they played a little ball or they're uh or they have you know a twig and two berries that they know more <laughs> than you and ain't the, that ain't the case baby. no that's not the case and you know what i play football on saturdays now and i hold my own i oh, play wow. slot receipt i'm on brett Ernst's team actually his brother's team keith keith's team i play I play slot receiver and strong safety. That's amazing. Yeah, well, and I rush the quarterback sometimes too if they if we're like shorthanded because then we'll have another guy plays because if it's only if we have enough people to play zone. But like I got my first sack last week, and you know what that meant more to me than maybe my last comedy. Sh- I don't know. No, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> something, something else that's more important. I don't know. Whatever it is, but Getting like complimented on your looks because or something. I, well, just, yeah, yeah well, that doesn't. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> but like I, but I, I think like the, I think like that's why I love sports so much. It's not because I like try to be one of the guys. Never. I've never tried to be anything that I'm not. Like I'm very girly in lots of ways. Like I wore high heels and a football jersey to a thing, and it, it would make no sense. It's awesome. But I just love the sports and particularly football. Like just. I just love it. Like, I just like the, the dynamics of it. So yeah. it's my favorite thing to talk about. We talk a lot more football than anything else. Like, we're not on here talking hockey a lot. Right, because right, right. I like hockey, but it's just not my favorite. So I appreciate, like, the football talk and all that kind of stuff. And thanks f- as well back for your compliments. Maybe one yeah. day people will see us on a show. That would be we'll tremendous. We'll be just being, you know, talking shit, being silly. We're Callie. certainly more entertaining than a lot of these people I think so. I think so. And, and, you know, a lot... Okay, we could get into a whole other thing. But I was going to say... <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'll, I'll tell you off the podcast about my thoughts on female sportscasters yeah. that are hired by certain networks oh. for certain reasons other than sports. And that makes me mad because I love sports so of much. Of course. You know? Of course. Um, and on that note, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I thank you. wanted to have you on for a while. So it's great. Um, and just awesome hearing like your story and all, you know, the, the things that kind of led you up to the point that you are. So thank you. Um, year three is going to be tough, but hopefully it's not, you know. Um, <laughs> but if it is, you I know, know you, you, you have a lady here with eight nipples. Oh. Actually, in this household combined, we have 10 nipples. You, this is a 10 nipple household. <laughs> ten nipple if you household. need any consoling, just come here. Callie will <laughs> hold your hand. 
Um, but otherwise, no, you're you're doing great. I think you're super talented, and I'm 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 you're very well adjusted. Uh, even though they say you shouldn't be for for where you're at, so that's Thank great. Thank you so much, Shannon. So, how can it. people find you and follow you, you and as well as the podcast? Yeah, so it's just Alex Monaco, M O N A C O on Instagram, and then Extraordinary Sports with no E, so X T R A Ordinary Sports. Just kind of throwing up fun content on my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and then doing the podcast and yeah, sports comedy content and. Keeping it rocking and rolling. Awesome. All right, great. Well, you guys follow him. And also, um, don't forget to continue to rate and review. Yeah, rate and review this the, you phenomenal know, <laughs> Playing With Balls podcast. People don't do it, you know? It's just like hit review, hit, put five stars and be like, cool, this is cool. That's all you have to do. It takes five seconds. But you know what? It's just like getting a Yelp review. It's very hard. Actually, it's not as easy as that. But if you continue to do that, then we continue to get more and more um, exposure through right. like iTunes so we can get like more stuff. Um, get more sponsors. So we actually, one of my newest potential sponsors is going is a is a bookie online bookie. Awesome, I know uh, that's super appropriate, right? Oh, um, very much so. And uh, a sports betting uh, website, and we've talked a little bit about them before. So we just get. The podcast just keeps going and we just get to keep doing more cool stuff. So thanks as always for all your downloads. Please keep rating and reviewing it and all of your following on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Playing With Balls. I am your host, Shannon Lee. Callie the Bulldog is here whoring herself <laughs> out. And then here is Alex Monaco, the host of Extraordinary Sports, closing it out. Thank Woo. you guys so much. Thank you. Uh -huh.